This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me on my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11.45 at 96.9 FM, 1360 AM, KWWJ. Or you can call in at 832-570-8075. Write me at a tip from Gilbert at gmail.com. See you then. change for once in my life it's gonna feel real good gonna make a difference gonna all make right ladies and gentlemen this is gilbert garcia gilbert andrew garcia again with another episode of a tip from gilbert that's talk inspiration and prayer we're here every monday of course from 11 to 11 45 a.m uh, on KWWJ, which again is Keep Walking with Jesus, Gospel 1360 AM and 96.9 FM. And you can call in again at 832-570-8075. Again, the best way for this thing to always work on this radio show is to call in, call in, call in. And you can write me at a tip from Gilbert at gmail.com. So here we are. Boy, that is one of my favorite songs. Now, I have a guest today. We have a special guest today. I have with me Mr. Carol Robinson. Everyone knows him because I think there's like three of you, Carol, because you just seem to be everywhere. So, Carol, please say hi to Houston. Hi, Houston. Carol is a professor at TSU. He also was, of course, was a city councilman. He leads one of the largest uh, Democratic organizations in Texas. It happens to be... uh, the uh, black Democrats, but it's really one of the largest democratic organizations in the whole state of Texas. So we're happy that you could make time out of your busy schedule. Now, I know that you're a Michael Jackson fan because you told me that when you walked in. So tell me, but you and your wife probably have those, you know, those dinner conversations because she's a Prince person, I understand. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you got to go with man in the mirror. You got to go with man in the mirror. It's so much good Michael Jackson (laughs) stuff. Look, you know, uh, my, my standard is you're a Michael Jackson fan if you could tell me what's on the flip side of ABC. Woo! You know, Rock and Robin. Who, is that right? Who, Holy cow. Now that is good to know yeah. that. Well, the thing about Man in the Mirror, it's so relevant to today's society, right? When you think about, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. He goes, you know, I see the kids in the streets with not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their needs? I mean, it's really amazing lyrics. And it was picked by Quincy Jones, right? He was the one that really picked the song. And he said because it would spread some, quote, sunshine on the world. And I love that whole refrain, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I mean, you can't beat that, those words. Now, the thing we wanted to have you here, Mr. Robinson, is... You happen to be, in my view, one of the experts on the legislature, what's going on in the legislature, how it works for those people who don't know how it works, because again, it's very complex. And you happen to also be, in my view, one of the foremost enthusiasts or experts on demographics. Demographics in Houston and Texas as it relates to race, as it relates to gender, age, 
And I wanted to have you on the show because recently we're getting all, number one, the census came out. And number two, the new maps for the proposed congressional districts and everything else. And I just thought it'd be great for you to give us your view of what the heck happened. Why don't you go into that, Carol? Why, first of all, what happens? This happens every 10 years? or what's, Let our listeners know what it means. So uh, under the federal constitution, when they created what we now refer to as America, they set up a process for representation and the uh, original constitution, which is still in play today, says that every 10 years you take a census of the country and based on that census count, the Supreme Court um, in the last 20 years, it says it has to be an actual manual count. You can't use mathematical modeling to do it. Some experts say mat mathematical modeling would be more accurate, but you literally have to go out and do it. And when the numbers come back, you decide how to distribute the members of Congress, 435, across the United States based on population. Then once you say how many members each state gets, then their legislature, in some instances, because in some states they now have what are called independent redistricting commission, so they do it outside the legislative process. A group of experts draw the map and then it's approved by the legislature or it's approved by that state Supreme Court. In Texas, our legislature draws the map. Very interesting. Hang on to that thought because I want to go a little deeper about what other states do versus what we do because I think that's super relevant. You just hit on something. But I know we have a caller. Do we have a caller? Please let our caller through. Do we have, uh, I think we have Mr. Pax, uh, Mr. Uh, Pastor Max Miller. Excuse me. Pastor Miller, are you there? I am certainly here. Pastor Miller, how are you, my friend? This is Gilbert Garcia, and you have Carole Robinson here. We're talking about um, redistricting and everything else. This is our show called Talk, Inspiration, and Prayer, and you have been an incredible inspiration for me since I met you a couple years back. So, Pastor Miller, what's going on with, with the church and with all of our, uh, our pastor brothers and sisters? Are we back from COVID, and how are we doing? We're doing well. We're, we're moving at a slow rate uh, of making full participation uh, because we want to still make sure that we are adhering that COVID and Delta are both real. So we're not rushing back at full capacity, but we're up in the numbers for the membership that are fully vaccinated. And it has been going well. God has been blessing. And we're also trying to stay on top of the very thing that you all are talking about with this redistricting and things of that nature. Well, Pastor Bill, let me just ask you, you know, you you are one of the, the leaders, frankly, in America. And I have been to your service. I've seen you preach. And let me tell you, I love my Catholic church, but it's nothing like my church. I mean, it, it is it is just an just a happen it's an event one of the things that you do that really strikes me is when you bring up the young kids and you bring them forward to the parish and you celebrate their good grades or other things that they do and i thought to myself god that just warms my heart we really enjoy that uh, i make sure i tell them i want you to break me but i want you to break me for doing good it has been continuous even though we have not been back at full capacity, 
we meet with our YP Dove, which is Young People in the Word. We meet with them every Saturday evening by way of Zoom, and we allow them to still come by the church to make sure that we still give them a little package for doing good in school and even our college students for doing what they are doing in their prospective universities and colleges and even the armed service. I think that's wonderful because, you know, Pastor, and I think Carol will agree that, you know, there's so much good going on in the world. But yet all we hear is all the, the, you know, the things that, you know, I don't know if that's what sells papers or controversy, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of good going on in the world and there's a lot of good people and there's a lot of good young people that we need as adults to continue to mentor them and show them the way, Pastor. You are correct. And and you hit it right on the, on the button. Good don't sell as good as bad. Amen. And, and I, I found that out with a acronym that I brought up for our brotherhood ministry at the church. It was called brotherhood. Um, just the same brothers would show up, but I changed the acronym from brotherhood to bad. And even good people want to know how you can have a good ministry out of the word bad. Mm-hmm. And the only thing bad means is brothers active and developing but they did not know. So they really flocked to it to see how can you have bad and you're supposed to be doing good in the church. That's right. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm so glad that you mentioned that you're, uh, I mean, obviously someone with your stature, you're, you're a leader in everything in the community. I just, I have Carole here because it just strikes me. I was reading in the Texas Tribune how these districts are being drawn. And I got to tell you, you could. It's almost like you you're going out of your way to somehow minimize the representation uh, in the Congress and in other key areas of the African American community, primarily in the Hispanic community as well. Am I missing something, Carol? Because these numbers are just so clear. Or, Pastor, what are your views on that, Pastor? I'm quite sure I stand in the same position that that you and and, and Brother Carol are the same. Uh, we know and understand what's happened. We will have press conference coming up about that possibly next week. Um, we understand what this is all about. The largest voting block is being targeted. And this is nothing new because whenever the pharaohs are in charge, they always try to put people that God has blessed back in brick and mortar. I thought about something uh, that happened some years ago, and it's a story about a man who had some long pants. He asked his wife to sew his pants because they were a little bit too long. She said, I'll get to it. She didn't get to it that week, so he asked his daughter if she would sew his pants up a little bit because he just needed about two inches to come up. The daughter was so busy because she was young. She didn't do it. But they had a maid at the house. And he asked the maid, and the maid said, I'll get to it next week. Well, the following month, the maid thought about it, and she went and sold up his pants. And the daughter came in and wanted some money to go out. And she said, well, one thing I'll do, let me go sew dad's pants. She went and sold the pants. 
And the wife came in one night and said, I never did do her his pants. She sold his pants. Mm. But when he put his pants on, because everybody had sold it, they had put him back in what we call knickerbockers. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to do with this redistricting. They're trying to place us back in knickerbockers. Then we want to let you know we're going to stand, we're going to fight, we're going to do everything we can, anything possible that you have, that Brother Garol have, and that we can all put together because this unheard of, it's ridiculous, and it's acidized. Well, I'm just going to do a quick stat here, and then we'll and then we'll ask Carol to jump in because it says here, I'm, I'm again, I'm, I'm quoting from this article, uh, Pastor, that it's hard. I mean, even so, it's hard to explain the fairness of the proposed maps that have 39.8 percent of the Texas population, the Caucasian part, represented by 60.2 percent of the legislature, 39.3 percent Hispanic Texas. Texans are represented by 20%. 11.8% black Texans are represented by 2.8%. And there are 5.4% Asian Texans, and they have none. I mean, girl, what, what, is, what is happening there? Well, I'm going to be a smart aleck. That's what's called by Republicans new math. New math. And there you go. And that's why they're really fighting to put a clamp down on making sure we properly educate our children. If you look at the state's total population and the growth that was driven over the last 10 years, combined is 95% Hispanic, Black, and Asian, made up 95% of it. We're about half the state's population combined, Black, Hispanic, and Asians. And so the state house is 150 members. If you evenly divided the state house, it would be about 75, 75 each. When you take just the black and Hispanic districts combined, it's 34 across the state on the proposed maps. So essentially, the Republicans have decided they don't believe they have a future in building a multiracial party and that they're going to do is disadvantaged by discriminating against blacks, Hispanics, and Asian. And the law calls it packing and cracking to divide our voting power so that we can't have representation in the legislature to decide how our tax money is being spent. Because essentially at the end of the day, America is a representative government and the people are represented by those they elect to look out for their best interests, spend money, provide proper service. And Republicans have decided that folks that look like me and you and, uh, you know, I served on council with Gordon Kwan, one of the first mm-hmm. Asian Americans to be elected citywide. We just aren't entitled to the fair representation. Well, let me ask you, Pastor Miller, it just doesn't seem just. I mean, when you just think about and, and maybe I'm naive in that just doesn't is, is not part of this equation. But let me just ask you, Pastor, uh, you know, what steps I mean, what can we do to get people to you know participate in the political process to really get involved to understand why these things are so important voting voting is correct and voting education and finding out the correct language to utilize for each generation uh, many times we we tell our young folks uh, we vote because 
people have died for you to vote. Well, that may move my age group, and that may move the age group directly below me, but that do not move the young folks. So we have to find the right proper education and go to where they are. Uh, young folk don't do the drive-by barbecues. They don't, they don't do things of that nature. We have to go to them. Uh, what I've done, our team, we, we ride bicycles and, and walk, and we go to that corner store where they are, where people pass by. We go to some of those uh, bad neighborhood apartments that, that happen in every race. It's not just the blacks and the Latinos that have these stores. They have that even in the rich neighborhoods. We have to make sure that we are going there to properly educate them, to give them a reason to want to vote. Uh, I'm watching now how many different organizations we have, and we use a word that I cannot stand a unified front. Anything that's a front is not real. Mm -hmm. Why don't we come together in unity and stop separating, weakening our power, come together, make sure we educate them in their own language. And then once we educate them, when you talk about WIC and, and food stamps, and, 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 and different college funds and, and trades and vocational trades and let them know that food deserts start when you do not complete the census. When we educate them and let them know the real deal, then we can get them to register to vote. And when we fight to make sure that voting polls are where they always are and that people don't have to run all over looking for them, it will help our status of voting. Well, Pastor, let me ask you this. I'm going to uh, ask you to close here. I know you gave us much more time than we thought, I mean, than you thought. So thank you. Would you send a prayer out to Houston, mainly, Pastor? just about goodness and love and working together and then about this terrible virus and then hopefully that there'll be some justice uh, coming to the hearts of some of these leaders here, Pastor. Would you mind saying a prayer for us? I don't mind at all. Thank you, sir. God, how we thank you for being our Father. We thank you, Master, for being God all by yourself. And before we ask you for anything, we must thank you for everything. God, I ask that you continue to bless Houston, the H-Town that you bless this city in a magnitude that everyone that's here, that 
you blessed. There's good, there's bad everywhere. We read about nothing but bad stuff. Some good in Houston. So, Lord, I ask that you bless us, that you lead us, guide us, direct us, and protect us. The wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding as leaders to do what you would want us to do. God, we know there's good all over. Amen. Because, God, you are good. And we ask that you put your handprint in the open that Satan will have to hide his handprint in the darkness. Touch these leaders that think position means they have more power than the people. Let them know by touching their hearts and their minds. While they're on top, get silent. Because what goes up must come down. Amen. And that which you sow against your brothers and sisters, mm. that's so you will reap. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, I ask that you do what you do. That you touch Brother Gilbert and touch Brother Carole and you touch myself. Mm -hmm. That we are able to do what you would have us to do. That we have a collaborative and collaborative effort. You would have us to do. Help us to educate. Help us to inform. Help us to endure. Help us to improve. Help us to follow what you said. Get the glory. We'll tell the story. We pray for each and every one that have an evil hand in this redistricting, that you would touch their heart, that you would turn them around from their wicked ways, and that you would give them a brand new mind. We ask these prayers. Father, we thank you for your blessing. In the wonderful, wondrous, watchful, and wise name of Jesus, and for his sake, amen. 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 What a great prayer. Pastor Miller, I'm going to have you back, if you don't mind. But I really thank you for taking time out here. We will uh, say goodbye to you and thank you, and we're going to have you back, Pastor Miller. Okay. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, was Pastor Max Miller, the head of the uh, Greater Houston area in the vicinity Baptist Ministers Association. What an amazing man. But let's go back to Carole. Carole. Let me ask you, so now we have these maps. What happens now? So today there are actually hearings about the maps and proposed amendments to make adjustments to the map. And then ultimately both the Texas House and Senate has to approve all three maps. And the three maps are a state house map, a state Senate map, and the congressional map. And if they approve them, they go to the governor, become law. If they don't, uh, there's a technical question as to whether or not there's, there's a thing called a redistricting board that can do the House and Senate, and then the congressional map would go to court. I have another question on that, but first we have another caller. Matthew, are you there, Matthew? Yes, hello. You have, you have a question for uh, Mr. Carole Robinson there? Yeah, so actually I have a couple of friends of mine who have kind of like disengaged from this whole political process through, you know, seeing all this news about how they're, you know, making all these changes in the, the state and the House. Um, 
how would you respond to them and to kind of like get them back in and bring them back into even engaging politically because it seems like this kind of whole situation to them has kind of just pushed them away from even wanting to understand or or you know kind of do something about what's going on Matthew, thank you for that question. So, Carol, what are your th- how can we reach the young people? I think that's what Matthew's saying. He must be a young man. How do we reach the young people to make them see the ramifications of all this? So I, I think a couple of things. Uh, Pastor Miller made a great point. We have to take the young people who are active in politics. Uh, Antron Johnson is here with me today. I've known him since he was a graduate student. And uh, ask them to help you reach out to other young people. Uh, My son just turned 25. Um, Same destination, different description. And sometimes I don't describe it as in in the proper vocabulary. So I try to find young people to work with young people. But I always remember something Jesse Jackson said. He says, you can't win the race if you don't start the race. And we've got to uh, make sure young people understand that you can't get you can't wear down because even though it looks like it's a tough process, it's a, it's a bad process. The Bible says, you know, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And ultimately because the black, Hispanic and Asian population are growing so fast, what Republicans think may be an advantage for them in 2022 by 2024, 2026, all these young people who are growing up and they're now part, they are actually the largest generation in American history, bigger than the baby boomers. They will have sufficient power within the next four years um, if we don't get it straightened out now that they can vote people out of office and elect people that they want to. Very good. Well, I know Matthew signed up. My view, Matthew, is number one, th- this is your world. This is your planet. You know, if you want, if you're tired of what's happening in the air and the water and the sea, I was told there's going to soon be more plastic in the oceans than fish. Can you imagine that? That cannot be what the Lord had for this planet. Uh, You know, if if this is your world, this is your planet, this is your city, and golly, if you don't like the way it's going, step up, have a voice, and make your voice heard. But going back, Carol, so historically, so they come up with these maps, there's this process. Historically, have they ever changed the maps? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they have. So this is, is, is this a fair thing to say? This is just the beginning posturing. Is that? Yeah, it's fair to say there'll be adjustments to the map. And if the legislature doesn't make them, there'll be lawsuit that goes into court. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think for the last five redistricting cycles, Texas has gone, you know, been sued and taken into court, and the federal courts have found that there's been racial discrimination in either the congressional map, the state house map, or a state senate map, and the court will make adjustments to it. Um, there's a funky little thing that's going on now. The United States Supreme Court it says they don't do political redistricting; they only do racial discrimination cases. So I'm sure Republicans are going to say. What they are doing on the map is about partisan politics. But when you look at the fact that they have shrunk the numbers of partisan districts, quote unquote, that Hispanics and blacks and Asian have an opportunity to win, um, it's really a misnomer. You're not really doing partisanship. You're doing you're doing racial uh, voter suppression. It seems pretty clear to me the the math cannot be um, random. 
I mean, random things can be random, but this just can't be random. So at the end of the day, um, let's hope some you know cooler minds prevail because isn't there a way we could just work together and not have to always have litigation? And and if there's litigation, does that mean the maps go into play the way they are now? And then the litigation has to go through the courts? No, normally what happens is if you sue in court, you ask for an injunction and the court will freeze the maps and they'll make a decision about what districts should be run in. Um, In the past in Texas, we've had circumstances where the court has pushed election dates into the fall so that they have time to draw preliminary maps that we run elections on. And generally, once the court draws a map that um, is the preliminary map is usually adopted with some minor adjustments. So let's say this, here in Harris County, the big issue, I'm going to talk about the congressional map, is that they redrew the 18th district in such a way that they literally left Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee out of her house. They disadvantaged Sylvia Garcia in her district um, when they didn't need to. Uh, So literally, Sheila Jackson Lee's district as it is right now was bigger than it needed to be. So they didn't have to redo it in the way they did. Al Green was in good shape. If you go down to Fort Bend County, uh, most people don't really pay attention to Fort Bend County. But when you combine Asians, black and Hispanic in Fort Bend County, that county, even with District 9, Al Green's dipping down into Fort Bend County by itself could be an entire congressional district that would give an opportunity to a person of color to win a general election. And we would have another um, congressperson from this area that um, would represent the minority voters that would reflect Mm -hmm. the 95 percent growth. So there's just things like that. And I think the court, if we have to end up in court, uh, because I don't I don't think, as you say, the math is not accidental. You know, even in, in, in game theory, when we think something is really just haphazard and confusion, there are patterns to it. And there's a pattern here. And the pattern is, um, sadly, the Republican Party now sees itself as a white party. And it's going to bet its future on white voters will always be with them. And if they get some black and Hispanic voters, so be it. And, and you know, that'll make it a little easier. I don't I, I think they're making I, I personally think they're making a bad bet mm-hmm. because I think white voters like black voters, like Hispanic voters, like Asian voters uh, see America in a different way. And as we age and the young people behind us age up into it, um, it, you know, and it's less than 10 years from now, it's going to be a fundamentally different uh, country. Well, what's interesting is when you think back in time, there were always some of these guys like Jack Kemp. Remember how he always reached out to the minority community, especially the Hispanic community? George Bush, the father. And then, of course, the son, the you know, the the, uh, the second Bush president, they reached out to the minority community, especially the Hispanic community. You know, what happened to what happened to the Republican parties, so to speak? I'm going to tell you, I mean, Donald Trump has fundamentally changed the psyche of Republicans and they have become such an extreme far right uh, wing party. Uh, that they no longer see themselves as part of the governing system in America. If you look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., literally 
for the last 50 years, Republicans have been strong advocates for infrastructure, for um, families. And now all of a sudden that Democrats really want to pass issues about families and the like, they have decided they have no interest in fixing infrastructure or being advocates it, for families. It makes no sense, Carol. I think we have another caller there. Did you say we have a Jason? Uh, Jason, are you on the line? Mr. Jason. Yes, how are you doing today? We're doing well, sir. Did you have a question for our, my guest here, Carol Robinson, or for me? Either one. What you got yeah. there, my friend? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, well, I've heard you guys talking about quite a bit about how the redistricting um, that they've been doing and taking and how it's disproportionate to minorities and it's, um, especially. And from the previous caller, we talked about the disillusionment with the political process and young voters are less likely to vote, especially in local and city elections, um, which is really the foundation of what we're able to get here locally and move up to the state level, then move up to the national level. Um, now, one question I did have is while voters aren't really necessarily likely to prefer a candidate, you know, who really shares their race and ethnicity, um, they tend to vote for someone that they really believe prioritize their interest. And in this sense, kind of, it really the underrepresentation of the minorities in the House here in Texas kind of really leads to an underrepresentation of our priorities as a minority myself. So my question would be is what can we do to really stop that disillusionment with the younger voters? Because especially with the Hispanic population and the black population, they're going to be 18 plus years of age. They're going to be the main voters that we need to attract. What can we really do to continue to get them out there to vote for these local elections and really kind of, I guess, make the representatives that we currently have right now a little bit more outgoing towards them as well? Well, Jason, I appreciate that question. I'm going to throw that to Carole, but I'm also also going to say, Carole, and what about the whole concept of the wealth inequality in this country, and how does that all fit with young people? So kind of wrap it up for us here. What, what are your thoughts? So a couple of things. Uh, first, I absolutely agree local elections are important, and um, we spent a lot of time on redistricting, redistricting at the state and congressional level, but the city of Houston the school districts in, in, in our county, the county itself. Um, folks need to know it's been 50 years. The last time we redistricted Justice of the Peace and Constable District. 50 years? 50 years. Holy cow. We've, we've added 3 million people to Harris County since the last time we did that. Uh, my first thing is I think we ought to see a lot of young people in 2023 running for city council seats. Um, because I, as, as, as Jason said, um, if you see somebody that looks like you in terms of issues, age, uh, gender, race, uh, you at least pay attention to what they're talking about. So I, I would encourage young people to run for city office in 2022 when we do uh, legislative races, even in places that you think you can't win. We have one of the youngest, most dynamic outstanding county judges in Harris County. And when she ran in 2018, most people didn't think she could win. Um, but you can't win unless you run. That's and, right. And she ran and she won and she's done an extraordinarily good job. And I think young people, those that are really, really interested in the process, one of the ways they can help get their friends more involved is to run for office themselves 
especially at the local level and even at the state and congressional level. Uh, so that would be my first advice and admonishment to young people in our area. Then the reality is that younger voters have started increasing their participation in voting in, say, the last four to six years. When you look at the data, it's not as high as folks 50 or older, but it's much better now. And economics does have a big role to play. When you look at the data around the black and Hispanic community, I mean, um, you know, it's le- less than like $40,000, median income. Mm. That, so when you're single, it's even less. When you're younger, it's even less. So we need more young people in the system to help us improve uh, access to economic opportunity and prosperity. Uh, one of the things you talked about that uh, Reverend Miller does, um, I, I, I hope um, this mayor or the next mayor of Houston would do this. I mean, every student in this city from K through high school graduation that got a 3.0 in a given semester, they should they should receive some kind of public um, certificate acknowledgement by the mayor and the county judge to say to folks across young people across our community, academic achievement is a good thing, and you don't have to go to community college or college. You may want to go become a, a, a plumber, right. um, an electrician, a welder. I mean, they make six figures, six six figures, six figures a year. You know, hundreds well, of thousands. Let me ask this, Carl. So. On the redistricting, when does all – so give us a timeline. So now the maps are introduced. I guess there's going to be hearings or public input. So when? how long is that? And and when are we going to know, okay, it's not really moving? And then sort of when do the lawsuits start? And I mean, where do you see all this going? So we've already had one lawsuit filed that said the legislature couldn't do this round of redistricting. Um, they are in Austin right now on a special call session. So we finished the regular session. Special call sessions are only 30 days. So they're about halfway through. So in the next 15 days, we will know if these maps have been approved. And probably within a week after that, we'll see litigation. There's talk that the governor may call a fourth uh, special session. So I don't know if it'll be related to redistricting, but my expectation is that they'll finish their work in a, before the end of this 30-day special session. Has there ever been a fourth special session? Well, yeah, way back um, in the early 90s, I think we, we went to four special sessions. No session. kidding. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. So, I mean, what are you, what are you, let's, so obviously you know a lot of this. Where do you see things 25 years from now? Do you think we will still be struggling with these same numbers and, and the black population is this and they only have this many representations, the Hispanic population is this? I mean, are we going to still be here? Or do you think in 25 years the whole dam will be broken and representation will, be, um, will equate much more to the population and everything else? I mean, when are we going to break the dam and everything sort of stabilize? How long is that going to take? So it'll be probably less than 25 years. Um, One of the fascinating things in the last two census, more and more Americans identify as multiracial. They may may have a predominant choice, but they now, the genetic kits and all that, the, the real life family. And so I think that dynamic will have a significant impact 
on how we see political representation play out in the long term in America. So um, pure politics, probably by the middle of this decade, these districts won't be electing the same kind of people simply because Hispanic population is still growing extraordinarily high as a percentage of the state's total population. Asian Americans actually grow at a faster rate than both the Hispanic and the black population. It's just that they start from such a smaller base, mm -hmm. but exponential percentage growth eventually puts them where they are a big enough component of it. And the Asian community, like the Hispanic community and the black community, are multicultural and not uniform. So those dynamics are going to have an impact in this process also. Well, you know, there was an old show, Carol Burnett, when at the end it would say, I'm so glad we had this time yeah, together. together. That, that song means uh, we're running out of time. But, you know, I sure hope your vision comes true, which is that, you know, it'll be less than 25 years, and then young people can just succeed and work hard and know that they can um, have a fair shot at the American dream. That's really what this is all about, right? Just so everyone is treated the same and a fair shot at the American dream. Carol, I'm going to give you the last word. Opportunity, justice, and young people understand and get it. And, uh, you know, while we're still in charge, we got to help make sure we level the playing field for them to come along and take full advantage like our parents did for us. I want to thank you for all the work you do in our community. And my expectations is we're going to see a lot of great things from you. And now you're multi, multi, multi <laughs> billion dollar endeavor. And thank you for bringing the pastors into this, too. They're such an important part of our community. God well, bless. Carol, thank you, my friend. That was Carol Robinson again, TSU professor, former councilman, head of one of the largest Democratic organizations in the state of Texas, the Black Democrats. But what he really is is a good human being and a good man. So... Please, Houston, enjoy Man in the Mirror because really, it all starts with all of us. All of us looking at the person in the mirror. Thank you. Please be with us next week. A tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday, 11 to 11.45, right here, KWWJ. Keep walking with Jesus. Write me at a tip from Gilbert at gmail.com or call in 832-570-8075. Signing off. So, producer, go ahead and fade the music out just a little bit. So, Carol, we're still on. We always we always stay on. You, you can let the song play in the background there, producer. We're going to um, have a few minutes here for Facebook and everything. I understand Facebook is down, but we'll figure it out. I'm sure we'll figure it out. Um, Carol, you're a spiritual man. Amen. 
Who's had the biggest influence on you? I mean, you've been very successful. You are successful. You're going to continue to be successful. How did it all come about? Who was your biggest influence? So the biggest influence on me are my mother and father. My father's passed now. Uh, but uh, a lot of people don't know this. I, I, I'm a naturalized citizen. I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, my m mother came first. Back in the days, you had to be sponsored and worked as a maid and then ultimately was able to bring my dad. My dad worked as a busboy originally when he came, became a lead dining room attendant before he retired and passed away. Um, I get my work ethics from my parents. Um, you know, my mother is very spiritual. I talk to her a couple times a week. And she, you know, every time I talk to her, she's just coming back home from church. <laughs> um, she's like the barometer, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of, of fairness. Uh, you know, I say there's a handful of people I know in my life that have an automatic seat in heaven, and she's on that short list. Um, and then uh, the other person in terms of my public space participation was a guy named Harvey Kesselman when I went to college in a small school in South Jersey called Stockton State College. He's actually now the president of the university and he taught me two life lessons. He said, always read, write the report, always write. Um, I don't think I'm a great writer, but I'm a diligent writer. And then he always said, follow the money, understand how money works. So if you look at my Vita, any board or committee I've served on, I've always served on the budget committee because I always want to understand how to take something from an idea to reality. And in most instances, you have to have some finances to be able to perpetuate it. Uh, but that's where it came from. And then my, my spiritual story, uh, for a long time in my life, I was a seeker. I went to a, a church at a place called Madison Avenue Baptist Church. It, it turns out my sixth grade math teacher was my Sunday school teacher, too. So, you know, you, you couldn't really yep. do anything bad in school because on yep. Sunday morning, yep. he would see my parents. And plus, he would know that you didn't show up on Sunday if you didn't show up on Sunday. He'd tell you at school, I didn't see you on Sunday. Yeah. I know that. Well, you know, what an amazing story about your parents. I did not know that. I thank you for sharing it with us. And soon when we're back up on all our uh, social media outlets, you're sharing with everybody. That's a wonderful story. And, um, you know, I, I can really sort of relate to it. So I salute you. Well, thank you for being on the show. And... Um, why don't we just say to everyone out there, let's hope Facebook gets back and the whole world, everything gets back up and going. Uh, I thought this was a very uh, interesting and wonderful episode, and I, it couldn't have happened without you. So, Carol, if you would just look at the camera, just tell everybody your last words again about where all this is going and leave everyone with something inspiring about this whole future and where we're going. Have faith. That's the camera. I'm pointing at it. That's why I'm pointing at you. I want you to know that if you have faith and combine it with what the Bible tells us, that not only must we have faith, but we must do the work to make a difference. God gave us dominion over the planet. He gave us free will, and we must use our free will to exercise good dominion over our planet and take care of it because it will take care of us and part of taking care of our planet is not just climate change, environmental justice, but it's also the justice of participating in the political process to make sure that it reflects all of us. And in the give and take, 
we don't want to end up like the people on the tower in Babel. We want to have a voice, but we want to make sure we respect and hear each other and we'll come to consensus. Uh, you know, the people were down below the mountain when Moses came down and they had forgotten where they were supposed to be heading. And I worry that in America right now, we may be a little confused, mm -hmm. but the Lord reminds us all the time that no matter what you do, I'm always going to be here and I'm going to be a guiding North Star. And all we have to do is hold on to that faith, belief, that hope, and have a little charity in our hearts. So Gilbert, I, I appreciate you and I thank you for all you do in this city uh, beyond a radio show that most people don't know about. Uh, you are a great person, you are a great friend, and it makes a difference in this city to have folks like you who are in the business community that understand that profit is not the goal, but rather its purpose, and profit just gives you greater ability to drive purpose. So thank you. Amen. Thank you, Carol. So Facebook and everyone out there, thank you. We'll see you next time at a tip from Gilbert again. That's every Monday, 11 to 11.45. Signing off. This is Gilbert Andrew Garcia. Join me on my new radio show, A Tip from Gilbert. Talk, inspiration, and prayer every Monday from 11 to 11.45 at 96.9 FM, 1360 AM, KWWJ. Or you can call in at 832 570 8075. Write me at a tip from Gilbert at gmail.com. See you then.